Let us pray. Lord Christ, we believe in you. Help our unbelief. Amen. The Hebrew scripture reading today is from Exodus 32, 1-6. Please listen for God's word. <laughs> when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a braided tool and gave, made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to pray. The epistle reading today is from Galatians, chapter 1, verse 6 to 10. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to who called who a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we are or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. For I, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Amen. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Lately, we've been talking a great deal about two things that are important to the future of the church, identity and outreach, our involvement in the community around us. And we're going to spend the next few weeks together working through the letter to the Galatians, because that is what we have this book for. It's a letter that was written by the missionary or missionary group that started that church in Galatia and are helping them wrestle with these very same ideas of identity and what does it mean to be a faith community and how do we interact with the world around us. And in today's passage from the beginning of Galatians, Paul, the author, starts off with a pretty harsh warning for the budding church in Galatia. 
You are already deserting the gospel. And that sounds like just about the worst thing that a church can do, especially from our reformed theological perspective in the Presbyterian church, where the word is central to every worship service that we have. Of course, we have to pay attention to the gospel. But the thing that the Galatian church tripped over was not quite that obvious. They weren't ignoring the gospel. They weren't eschewing the Bible or failing to use it in their life together. They were watering it down to make it more congruent with other gospel, other ways of thinking that were popular at the time. When faced with the reality that Jesus calls us to live in ways that the world sees as strange or idealistic or too hard to bother with, the church there has been swayed to sand the corners off their Christian faith and convictions. Whose opinion is the one that really matters? Paul asks. Who are you trying to please? They're so concerned with making the gospel palatable to all that they're treading on some serious theological thin ice. That's a much easier trap to fall into than turning entirely away from Jesus' message. We just spin it to justify our own fears or political views or cherry-pick verses that match up with the point that we want to make. Who are we trying to please? And this is something that can be asked of Moses' brother Aaron in Exodus 32. Who are you trying to please, Aaron? God or the people around you? When Moses goes to get, very ironically, the law in which God says, don't worship anything but me, the people get restless because it's taking too long. After we finish up Galatians, we're going to come back to the Ten Commandments, so don't let this story wander too far out of your memory before July. But for now, we're zeroing in on this little piece where Moses has gone to meet with God, to hear what God would have them do. And it takes longer than the people think it should. So they ask Aaron to intervene, and he does. He makes this idol, and he changes the story. He doesn't give an entirely new story, but he tweaks the truth. He leaves in the appealing and epic narrative of freedom from slavery in Egypt, but he alters the main character, the one who provided that freedom. He didn't even change the way they worshipped that much. He used the same kind of religious language, and they still made sacrifices. But here are the gods that led us out of Egypt, he says, pointing to a golden calf. And the people were appeased. The problem is, the people were appeased. But if you read on in Exodus 32, it is clear that God is quite unhappy by this. In Galatia, the church is trying to people please by adapting Jesus' message to fit more harmoniously with the other gospels, the other messages of the world that are all around them. And this passage goes on to talk about how the gospel that we are called to live into and to share in all the world is totally different than what we would expect. It warns us not to blur the lines between true gospel and the gospel that the world preaches. 
There is a, a semi-biblical gospel that the world likes. It likes to take pieces of scripture that please us and dump the parts that don't and cross-stitch the pretty ones on pillows or put them on greeting cards. But the gospel that Paul preaches is one of freedom in Jesus Christ, freedom that is meant for all people. And it's nothing that we can learn by human learning because it's not from us people to begin with. It's something completely out of this world. The heart of the matter in Galatians is the hope that we are offered to lift us out of our sin. And this is good news for us and our identity, and it's good news for all of those around us. And it's a message that runs counter to the message of the world. You see, the lies in the world around us are dangerous because they're just close enough to being the truth that they very easily entice us to wander off track. When the Israelites fashioned that golden calf, they said it was the gods who brought them up out of slavery in Egypt. It was so close to their story, but not quite. But in that deviation from their story, they wound up deserting the truth. We desert the truth all the time in our day-to-day lives. We buy into the almost but not quite true stories around us. The one we especially like in the Western world, especially in the United States, is the lie that there is always a direct correlation between hard work and success. Not where you want to be in life. The world says, work harder, you slacker. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Small congregation. The world says, knock on more doors and put another ad in the paper because small means unsuccessful and unloved. Or you just need to start up a vacation Bible school again because that's what used to work. The world tells us that if we're feeling some kind of terrible way because life has kicked us in the rear end one too many times, we must be a bad person or we must be unloved by God or that God must not really be there. The world tells us, That if we just will ourselves to behave a certain way and avoid certain vices, we'll earn our way into heaven or good karma or whatever spiritual happy ending you want to put on it. But the truth frees us from those lies. Jesus' gospel message is that there is more to life than where we are and what we have in the here and now. Matthew 5, 2 through 12, we read in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall find comfort. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. In Matthew 13, 31 and 32, Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to a mustard seed, a tiny little seed that makes a huge difference. And next week, we'll move on to Galatians 2, and in 2.16, we read that it's not our good deeds that save us. There's nothing that we can do by our own power. The gospel says that the people who are walked past, ignored, looked down on, and forgotten, God loves them. God cares for them. The smallest of things can make a huge splash in God's economy. And in God's kingdom, it's not about what you do. It's about living into who you are. 
because of Jesus. The gospel is not a promise that we'll never have to face hard times. It's a promise through them. It doesn't say you'll never have to watch your kid get hit by a car. It doesn't say no one in your family will ever be diagnosed with cancer. The gospel doesn't say that a successful church is the one with a thousand people in worship and a killer band up front, and that the church with 25 people in worship and a traditional hymnal is a failure. It doesn't say that sin won't exist or that we won't feel the effects of it. It doesn't say that we'll never struggle to balance the church budget or drum up people to help with summer music. It doesn't say that we'll be able to rely on the old ways of being church to keep us floating. It doesn't say you'll never be or feel poor or homeless or tired, beat down, beat up, beat on, or just plain old beat. But it does say that you don't have to be alone. It does say that there is freedom from the sin that is in the world. It does say that there are millions of people around the world who have been called by God to stand up for justice and what is right and to reach down and share a hand to help you stand back up. And that we get to be a part of reaching down and sharing a hand to help others stand back up. It says that regardless of how many of us are sitting together in this sanctuary this Sunday morning, there are millions of us worshiping together around the world and across the bounds of time. It is a call for each of us to remember the times we have felt poor, homeless, tired, beat down, beat up, beat on, and just plain old beat. And to reach out with a heart of justice and God's love and reconciliation as an act of ultimate praise. Our ultimate act of worship as individuals and as a congregation is to reach out into the world with a heart of justice and love and reconciliation. And that's too good to water down. It's hard news, but it's good news. As we study Galatians together over the next few weeks. Let's read it as though it's a letter written to us. It's not. It was written to people many centuries ago in a far-off place, but they struggled in many of the same ways that we do. Soon, we will be forming a discernment group to start studying and praying over our community to figure out where it is that God wants us to be involved. How does God want us to reach out in love and justice in our neighborhood? This group won't be making decisions or changes on their own. They're not going to be starting new programs, but they will be making some recommendations and bringing ideas to the session. And it's not going to be just up to them to do all the work in this. We have to all be in prayer together. Their work and the work the elders are doing to discern our future will fall flat on its face without the support from everyone here. So as we work through Galatians for the next few weeks, I'll be giving you something to pray about specifically as a congregation each week. Even if you're not a regular here or you're new or you aren't super involved, you can and should still be in prayer about this, both that the church might hear from God about it and that you'll understand it more in your own life as well. And if you are interested in being a part of that prayer group, please let me know. Here is our question this week to pray about 
together, straight from Galatians 1.10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? Who are we trying to please? Whose opinion matters? We all know what the correct Sunday school answer to that question is, but that is not always realistically what's happening. Are we softening the edges of Jesus' crazy message of love and justice for all people in order to make it more palatable or easier to live out? Are we applying the world's economy of earning to our salvation? Who are we trying to please? And so, friends, I encourage you, be in prayer this week for that. And so let us pray together. God of all, we ask that you would grant us the wisdom, discernment, and clarity needed to move forward and embrace your future for us. We pray that you would help us to see when we are working to please others rather than you, Show us when we are softening the gospel of justice and when we are working to please previous generations of this congregation rather than you and you alone. Give us the discernment to see the future for the church in this community so that your love for us might be seen by all. Amen.